It's 10.06 on August 1st, 2023. You know it is time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief, is with us for the next 30 minutes. Hello, Keith. Hi, Joy. Hey there. Let's dive right in. Site C Dam reaching a massive milestone here. Yes, the completion of the earth-filled dam yesterday, 20, um, 60 meters high, 20 stories high, 500 meters across. Uh, got some drone footage released yesterday. It's pretty impressive. You know, Site C started construction in 2015, and it was a controversial project from from day one. Uh, there was uh, an open question whether the NDP government in 2017 would uh, cancel the project. They decided to go ahead with it, much to the consternation of some of the dam's opponents. But now, given the shift to massive electrification right across yeah. uh, basically North America, uh, Site C is going to be sorely needed. So this is a landmark event yesterday, and just a reminder, there's still more work to be done, but it sets the stage for filling the reservoir in the fall and bringing the dam online uh, in 2025, uh, supplying enough power to power almost a half million homes, or even, and this is a new statistic uh, BC Hydro likes to put out, given the the push towards electronic vehicles, uh, 1.7 million EVs could be powered by Site C. So, you know, the stand's been kicking around. This is eight years of construction now, and it's way over budget. I mean, there's no question about that. It's like $16 billion instead of, you know, I think the original forecast was $8 billion, uh, or even less than that. So it's it is over budget, no question, but it seems to be sticking to a construction schedule pretty good, and it's going to be online. It's going to be sorely needed when it comes online because uh, Hydro is already looking for more power. They're putting the power call out in early next year. Uh, with, even on top of Site C, more power is going to be needed, a significant amount of power, as so many, uh, you know, with the shift to electric vehicles and the shift away from fossil fuels means more electricity is needed. So more um more wind farms, solar panels, and such are going to come on stream as well. So Site C is just the start. Right. Using the power of water in place of the fossil fuels, at least to some degree. At the, the scope of it, though, when you were saying it, 20 stories high. Did you say five miles wide? Uh, no, 500 meters wide. One, 500 one meters, kilometer, like five, five, I was like, oh. yeah, okay. one kilometer in length across the Peace River. There we so go. It's, a, okay. it's not as big as the Bennett, WAC Bennett Dam, which is uh, right. 60 stories high, uh, but this is still going to be a significant, uh, you know, I've been up there a couple times uh, to tour it, and it's uh, it's an impressive place. I was there just before that earthen fill dam even began as we um uh, we basically stood where it was going to be uh, and just looking across the river to the other side, just envisioning what it was going to look like. And to see the drone voted yesterday is quite impressive. And not to be discounted, though, the environmental impacts are real. Um, yep. The need is also real. So, you know, we're we're not just glossing over it as one thing. We're just marking this milestone as well as one of our our subjects. And people well, can some of the, chime it's in. Interesting, yeah. interesting, in Western United States, they're decommissioning dams in, in a number of areas because they are uh, a, a danger to salmon habitat and such. So yeah. there's a couple of one, I think there's a piece in the Globe Mail, a dam on the border between Oregon and California is being decommissioned. Washington State's decommissioned a couple of dams, but they don't supply a lot of electricity. BC's dams are different. They do supply a significant amount of electricity. But Hydro is also going to be looking for other power sources, and that means uh, wind farms and, and other, you know, more more projects than simply run a river, which was the first go-around under the Campbell 
government was looking for run-of-river projects and in, independent power projects that the NDP opposed in opposition, but now that they're in government, they now support them. Right. Well, certainly not the last time we'll be talking about the need yeah. uh, for that move away from fossil fuels. Let's talk a little bit about uh, SPS. Uh, you were retweeting some some stuff yesterday. Like, looks like the temperature is starting to to come down on that contentious battle between uh, Surrey Police Services and the Surrey RCMP, and and how things now are starting to progress a little bit is is that what you're what you're witnessing well t- take away from norm lipinski the chief uh, the chief out at surrey police services uh put out on twitter that they are starting to uh, hire now they're the most of the human resources transition plan is happening it's back in place it was there before it was hit the pause button was hit as the surrey council decided to go back to the rcmp but now the decisions are made to go Surrey uh, police services i think he's I think the number is 12 or 16 officers in recent days have been hired by uh, SPS. Now, there are going to be, um, you know, police officers leaving other forces, and hopefully that's not a great number, not a great drain on the forces that lose officers to SPS. But there's always movement of police officers around from detachment to detachment. And Surrey Police Service is now part of the mix. And it does seem to signal that... Um, the temperature has gone down. We haven't heard from Mayor Locke for a week or so. I assume she's meeting, and I haven't got this confirmed, but I assume she's meeting with Jessica McDonald very soon if she hasn't already met with her. And that, of course, is the former uh, head of the BC Civil Service who's now the um, the advisor or the, the yeah. sort of in-between person between uh, all the levels of government and police forces to uh, smooth this transition away from the RCMP towards Surrey Police Services. Lipinski, as estimates that they will be the the police force of jurisdiction within 10 months, which means they will have more officers than Surrey RCMP does. And it will take two or three years to fully complete the transition, but it seems to be in progress, and it doesn't seem to be any way of stopping it. Now, right off the top of the show today, we were speaking with SFU professor Rob Gordon, uh, the criminology professor at Simon Fraser University, about policing because of the signal from the federal government of just revisiting uh, and and really tabling, what did they call it, the table of the What We Heard report uh, on discussions with provinces, municipalities, and First Nations on RCMP services and how to improve them or how to shift perhaps to provincial police, which I know you've talked about Mm -hmm. uh, a lot on here. just in terms of how that might impact um, policing in British Columbia, it's so much in flux right now, Keith. It, it is, and it seems to be, uh, momentum seems to be gathering, though, towards a different police model, not only in B.C., but in other provinces. Uh, the premiers in Alberta and Manitoba and New Brunswick have all signaled that they wish to revisit the RCMP model. Ontario and Quebec have their own provincial police forces, uh, it's been suggested that uh, stories have come out uh, from uh, the Toronto Star report a couple of weeks ago, citing sources that the federal government and senior officers of the RCMP are looking at transitioning the RCMP to more of an FBI of the North model, get it away from municipal policing, local, local and day-to-day policing, and more as a looking after, you know, counterterrorism, cybercrime, big ticket items, rather than daily handing out, um, you know, speeding tickets in Surrey. And that seems to be gathering speed. So when the, the RCMP contract is due to expire in the 2030s, so it's going to take a long time to make the transition, but I think the transition is going to occur. All the signals and signs are pointing towards a shift in the model of policing 
Uh, and it started, uh, I think Professor Gar- Gordon called um, Surya dress rehearsal. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good good way of describing it. Um, that was, now it's not the way to, to do things, because one of the big flaws in the Surrey tr- uh, transition, and this will be addressed in amendments to the Police Act in the fall, is that Surrey changed its mind halfway through the process, right. uh, c- creating this chaos. So that's not going to be allowed under amendments to the Police Act. And I assume that lesson learned will be applied in other provinces as they make the shift to a different police model away from the RCMP. Okay, I want to take you to the federal political uh, gamesmanship that is going on with some ads back and forth. Uh, it's it's really quite something. Following Keith Baldry on Twitter is a must, people, I'm telling you. You retweeted this. I watched it, and I was like, oh, dear. Okay, so this is a, uh, a poly of a CPC ad Uh, basically called Trudeau versus Trudeau. Have a listen. A liberal government will prioritize significant new investment in affordable housing. Far too long, a first home has been out of reach for far too many. It's time to change that. I'll be blunt as well. Housing isn't a primary federal responsibility. Three clips sewn together just like that. Very effective ad. Uh, Poliev and the Conservatives smartly jumped on that clip of Trudeau when he recently basically said, you know, it's not our problem. Um, technically, that may be true. Housing is not a federal uh, jurisdiction, but politically, that's not a smart thing to say, to not try to take ownership of one of the biggest issues out there in front of the electorate is uh, is a mistake. And I think uh, the Poliev and the Conservatives smartly jumped on this, and that's a very effective ad, contrasting Trudeau. So the first clip was from 2015, eight years ago, where the promise was that we're going to do something about housing. The next one was in 2021. And that third clip was just, I think, this past week, where he said this is not a federal jurisdictional issue. And um, no, not, not a good move by Trudeau and a smart move by Poliev to turn it into an ad. Jody Vance in for Mike Smith. It is Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, our Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, here to take your calls to 604-280-9898 or star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Some of the subjects we've hit today so far, Site C Dam reaching a milestone as the earth fill is complete there. We touched on SPS moving forward, some new recruits there, uh, going perhaps to that uh, federal almost FBI um, RCMP new evolution, what that might look like, and also a, a fairly effective attack ad. I think everybody would agree to, to watch uh, the Conservatives' most recent ad that just threads together three clips of Justin Trudeau basically saying housing is a right, then saying, you know, we're going to do something, I'm paraphrasing, well, we're going to do something to help Canadians uh, find an affordable home and be able to own one, and then basically saying um, housing isn't the federal government's responsibility. So paraphrasing, but put together in that ad is sort of a takeaway. Uh, anything you want to com- comment on, 604-280-9898 is the number, star 9898, a free call on your cell. Chuck in Maple Ridge, you're up first. Welcome. Good morning. Uh, two questions. One, with the BC Ferries interested that the things have happened with their ferries of late, do they have an office or a group that sits back and decides and looks at what they need, what they don't need? Like a group of naval architects or naval captains that sit up nights and think what works, what doesn't work, what do we need, what do we build, where, what do we build, and how do we build it? 
The other part is that uh, you had talked about, like with the Mounties and going federal, they've been talking about that. I'm a retired member. They've been talking about that for 40 years, back since security service was there. So that's not a new thing. It's just coming back up again with somebody else trying to get promoted on it. Yeah, well, I mean, Ferries has a management group, of course, with uh, vice presidents and such. I mean, a number of people have been there for a number of years, so they know the corporation very well. There's a board of directors that's the overarching um, management there. But, um, yeah, I mean, they spend a lot of time on planning. But they're also hitting some snags and some some eddies here that were unforeseen, which is uh, you, you can't assume a ship's going to be 100% reliable, and we're finding out that's not the case with the coastal the coastal vessels, which are the newest big vessels of the fleet. They've had mechanical problems. The relatively recent unforeseen problem with staffing, which has hit sectors right across the economy, not just uh, the ferries, but healthcare. You know, there's a disproportionate number of people who are away from work for any given reason at any given time. And when it hits ferries, the implications there are far more noticeable than, your, than if it hits your supermarket. You know? yeah, but I'm thinking like the guys, that, like the naval architects and the captains, that you know, will sit up nights and go three to five years down the road or five, ten years down the road, what do we need? And they're starting to put it on paper, build them on paper, and then they can take it back and say what works, what doesn't work. That's kind of what I'm more I'm thinking along like that. Well, if you go to the ferries um, annual report or website, you'll see the capital plan, and it's not just a one-year plan. These corporations plan over a number of years. Um, most many companies have a 10-year capital plan. You look at the provincial uh, government; it has a multi-year capital plan. It's not all done in one year. It's stretched out over a period of years, and BC Ferries is no exception. But you could argue not all of it's working all the time. <laughs> and then government, nothing works all the time in government. Thank you. So, Keith, I meant to ask you about the, uh, it's not ferries, but it's port. Uh, any further news with regard to the tentative agreement that was reached uh, late Sunday night uh, for the port workers? Well, the uh, um, Federal Industrial Relations Board has warned the union leadership not to change their minds again. They can't. They, now that they've agreed to this, it, they have to stick to this. And any changing of minds would be deemed to be an unfair labor practice. But also, it's it's clear from the agreement and from statements from the federal labor minister, Seamus O'Regan, that this thing is basically over, whether they accept the agreement or not. And they have to vote by Friday, so we should know the results of the vote by Friday. But if they if they turn it down, they still have to report back to the Labor Relations Board. And then the Labor Relations Board will either impose a settlement or sent to binding arbitration. And one way or another, it's agreed no pickets are going up. So the strike is basically over. It's just how it's going to end remains to be seen. It's either through accepting this, this tentative agreement reached by the union's negotiators and the employers, or it's going to end through an imposed settlement or one reached by an independent arbitrator. But one way or another, I don't think we're going to see picket lines around the Vancouver port system uh, for four years, at least. All right. Well, there you have it. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Third time's the charm. But like you said, the federal mm-hmm. government definitely signaling this is getting very close to legislated back to work if you don't uh, take the deal and, and continue forward. And and how long will it take to, to clear the backlog will be another question that in need yes. of answer. It's going to be months, yeah. I think. I think it's seven days per, per one day strike. So seven times 13 is 91, 91 days, three months to clear the backlog at a minimum. Wow. Okay. Well, Keith, we'll uh, connect back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for another Baldry's Beat. I appreciate it it. as always. Okay. Cheers.